The Gist is brought to you by Roku and HBO Now. Roku players offer the biggest selection of streaming channels, like HBO Now. Learn more and try HBO Now free for one month by going to roku.com slash the gist. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Tuesday, March 15th, 2016 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. So I was on a uh, Minnesota Public Radio show today. Someone called in and said, why all the horse race? Why not the issues? And so I said, damn it, you're right. But I'm not going to answer you here. Here I'll rebut you, make you feel bad for calling in, asking for issues on public radio. Going to take it to the gist. Not only am I not going to concentrate on the horse race right now, and not only am I going to to talk about an issue, I specifically want to do something that's never been done in the annals of the gist, if not podcast history. I'm now about to read to you an entire bill submitted to the Congress. This is House Resolution 642. It was submitted yesterday. It is dated March 14th in the House of Representatives. Here we go. A resolution recognizing magic as a rare and valuable art form and national treasure. Whereas magic is an art form with unique power and potential to impact the lives of all people. Wow, impact as a verb in the first sentence. Whereas magic enables people to experience the impossible. Whereas magic is used to inspire and bring wonder and happiness. Whereas magic has had a significant impact. Dance, literature, theater, film, and the visual arts. Whereas many technological advances. Like at that point where the resolution's authors, Pete Sessions et al. just looking up magic in wiki quote, it would appear. Whereas one of the great artists of all time, Leonardo da Vinci, was inspired by magic. Although... Back then, they thought the humors of the blood controlled our kidneys, so science was essentially magic, but okay, moving on. Whereas magicians are visual storytellers, whereas magic fulfills some of the highest ideas, whereas magic is an outstanding artist. Can somebody tell me why the Congress is being asked to consider the idea that magic encourages people to question authority? All right, here's some of the answer. Politico, writing about the sponsor of this bill, Texas Representative Pete Sessions, says that Sessions has been recognized in the past by the Society of American Magicians, which has been pushing Congress to recognize magic as an art form since the 1960s. Although, if they were really good magicians, don't you think they'd be successful right now? I mean, the illusionists got their shit recognized. Sure, because they're good illusionists, they don't call it illusionists, they call it ethanol subsidies. But still, come on, magicians. All right, here we go. Whereas magic is a unifying force across cultural, religious, whereas you can do magic, you can do anything that you desire. Whereas magic is an art that transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary. Whereas the American magicians, Harry Houdini and David Copperfield, have been the most successful magicians of the last two centuries. And then there's like all these David Copperfield stats in the bill, his Emmy Awards, his Guinness Book of World Records. Whereas learning magic through programs such as Project Magic, whereas if Puff were a non-magic dragon, he probably wouldn't even be remembered. Whereas cities such as Wiley, Texas, and its mayor, Eric Ho, who learned magic as a child. Whereas the Magic Jack Plus allows you to say goodbye to your monthly phone bills. Whereas magic transcends any barrier of race, religion, or culture. Really, any barrier? Because I think black magic has a different connotation than white magic. Whereas magic has not been properly recognized as a great American. Whereas there is not an effective national effort. Whereas magic might 
like XXL didn't have a great plot, but more than made up for it with heart, whereas documentation and archival support required by such a be it resolved that the House of Representatives, one, recognizes magic as a rare and valuable art form and national treasure, and two, supports efforts to make certain that magic is preserved understood and promulgated and there for the first time i didn't cover the horse race it was all the issues an entire piece of legislation now you know house resolution 642 magic on the show today in the spiel i cover aspects of the vote we already know about super tuesday and now harry enton pollster extraordinaire interpreter of polls is on to talk about today. And now another great show from the Panoply Network. This one happens to be a great show about a great show, different medium, TV. Here, listen. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. I play the KGB spy Elizabeth Jennings on The Americans. It's more about getting people to trust you, to help them understand that you want the same thing that they want, which is to make the world a safer place for everyone. Tune into the Americans Insider Podcast each week after you watch the show for conversations with actors, producers, directors, and even an actual FBI counterintelligence agent. Search for the Americans Podcast from Slate, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, joining me now is Harry Enton. He's a stats and polls guru for 538. And if you listen to their excellent 538 elections podcast, you'll know Harry is always eating or drinking something terrible for him, like a banana split or an entire uh, barbecue. But now it's just not only Gatorade, Harry, it looks like it's the sugar-free Gatorade or the low-cal Gatorade. It is the low-calorie. You know, I just can't drink sugar all the time. Yeah. I have to maintain my figure. <laughs> so this is this is Super Tuesday. How much clarity are we going to get? Let's go through the scenarios. If Trump wins those two winner-take-all states, regardless of how else anyone else does anywhere, do we get a lot of clarity? Well, for one thing, we would know that Marco Rubio is no longer a viable candidate. Good. John Kasich is no longer a viable candidate. So that would leave only two viable candidates, Ted Cruz and Donald Trump. So, yes, I think we would get a lot of clarity. If Trump wins Florida, and right now this is what the polling is saying. We'll debate Ohio in a second. Let's say he wins Florida but not Ohio. What does that mean? Well, I think it means we get a little bit of clarity. Marco Rubio's gone. Trump takes those 99 delegates, but Ohio 66 delegates go the way of John Kasich. So I, I think I find it plausible that Kasich wins in Ohio. I can't really foresee a scenario where somehow Trump wins Ohio but loses Florida to Rubio. Can you? I mean, I can't see that scenario. But then again, I was born with a 60-year-old man. So who the heck knows what might happen? <laughs> well, so what you're saying is Donald Trump was nine years older than your father when you were born. That's correct. Good math. Yeah. Well, what about all the other states? They get ignored, but how proportional are they and how is Trump doing? North Carolina, Missouri, um, I'm going to Northern Mariana Islands and Illinois. Correct. Very yes. good. You know your states. <laughs> Let's take it the easiest one first. We'll go with North Carolina. It's straight proportional, right, with no threshold. So that's essentially you get 40 percent of the vote. You get 40 percent of the delegates. Pretty easy there. Then... Well, I'll take go to the hardest one. Well, maybe not even the hardest one, the Northern Mariano Islands. I believe they're a commonwealth, as I have learned. We expect Trump to probably sweep those nine delegates coming out of there. The All governor right. of the Northern Mariana Islands is behind him. Ben Carson's former, one of his members of the staff is from there, and there's a whole deal-making. He dropped out before the Northern Mariana Islands when he had such an in? That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, well, if you listen to any of the debates, I don't think it's shocking that Ben Carson did something that doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> 
And then Missouri and Illinois. These are, I think, the two most interesting states. We have had exactly one poll taken this year on the Republican side from Missouri. And what was it, 207 or six or five respondents from that? And it was a poll that vastly underestimated Cruz in the Kansas caucus. Now, Missouri is a primary and it's open while Kansas was closed in the caucus. But if you look at the demographics, you'd think that it could be a pretty good state for Ted Cruz. But the truth is, we don't really know. The one poll, as I said, had Trump up a little bit, but again, in the 30s, like he pretty much always is. I believe it's 50 delegates or maybe it's 52, whatever the exact number is that's up for grabs in Missouri. It's winner take all in the congressional district and statewide level. So if Cruz ends up winning that state by nine points, I'm not saying he's going to do that. But if he did or if Trump did, then they have a pretty good chance of sweeping all those delegates. And that is almost the same number of delegates that are up for grabs in Ohio. Oh, so Missouri could become the new Ohio. So after all this and Kasich wins and he stays in and denies Trump, Trump could net delegates based on a big sweep of uh, Missouri. Uh, Absolutely. And the same goes for Illinois, where you have more delegates up for stake there than are actually up for stake in Ohio. And the polls there have Trump ahead, but again in the 30s. This is a pretty consistent theme, right? Yes. Should we be looking at this as who won, who netted delegates, or should we be looking at this like, is Trump going to get to the 1237? Because anything short of the 1237, then it can be an open convention. Right. I mean, I'm already keeping my eyes on towards 1,237. What do you make of the fact that Marco Rubio has essentially told his would-be voters vote for Kasich in Ohio, but Kasich hasn't done the same in Florida? Well, I I, I would say two things. I think, one, it's going to be very interesting to see if Marco Rubio does drop out of the race after the results come in, whether he can ever really get behind Trump. I'm not sure he can based upon some of the things he has said. He Mm -hmm. may join this Never Trump movement. So I think that's part of it. I think the other thing that's going on is Kasich doesn't want to come across as someone who's giving away votes. And Kasich has kind of been strange in this campaign, right? He's positive, positive, positive. But if you speak to some people who feel like they know him a little better or who have lived in Ohio, the idea of Kasich maybe being a little bit, I don't want to say a jerk, but a little difficult, it shouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world. And plus, there are a whole other backstories to this of a Rubio college student or a college student who's a fan of Rubio's trying to kick Kasich off the ballot in Pennsylvania. You know, there's a lot of always this back and forth that's going on. Do you think if Kasich had said to his potential supporters in Florida, go with Rubio, that would move the needle in Florida at all? Sure, it might have moved the needle. But the fact is you started at zero degrees and you just get up to 20 degrees, it's still going to snow. Kasich just doesn't have that much support. What Rubio is doing is much more likely to have a tangible effect, which is making Kasich win the Ohio winner-take-all primary. On the other side, if Kasich were to respond in kind, it would have less of an effect. It's still unlikely that Rubio would win the primary. Right. Rubio's so far behind. And you already see in a lot of the Ohio polls that Rubio's polling quite poorly, much more poorly than you would expect. Yeah. Why? Maybe it's part of the strategic voting that's going on of the voters. Maybe it's because some of these people who might have been behind Rubio in Ohio recognize that they're going to cast their lot with Kasich. Uh, again, Trump, mid-30s, but Kasich has managed to get above that in part thanks to, I think, people who might otherwise be inclined to support Rubio going for Kasich. Do you have any sense of the sorts of things that hurt Trump uh, with the voters or help Trump? Because he tacked so far right and left. He's such a nice guy during the bait and such a mean bastard with the, the protesters and wanting to come to the defense of a sucker puncher. Has there been any 
through line as to the sorts of things that make his polls go down a little and maybe make Election Day underperform for him versus the way he should act when Election Days go well for him. In terms of behavior, I I think you don't necessarily see it in the top line number of what percentage of the vote he gets. But I think you see it in his favorable ratings, which have slid back again, maybe near 50 percent if you're buying Gallup among Republican voters. The number of people, if you get into a one-on-one with Cruz who are willing to back him, begins to slip back a little bit more. You saw that in the ABC Washington Post poll and the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. But in terms of keeping that base, I do believe in all honesty he could go on the Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and he'd still get a third of the vote. Do you think that those negative numbers, that he has this all-time record-setting greater negative than positive opinion, you know, he's we've never seen anything like a plausible politician with his negative so outweighing his positives. But can he change that? I mean, when you honestly believe you can say anything and change your mind and and change what you're saying without really much a thought, who really knows? Trump is not playing by the rules. But I do have to believe, maybe I'm so naive as to believe this, but I do believe he has sort of crossed this threshold with some of the things that he has said and the activities that have been surrounding his campaign rallies that something I think has changed. And, you know, I, I, I think... We see kind of it on the Democratic side from some of the people going, why are, you know, black people supporting Hillary Clinton so much? It's because they know what's they they feel they know what's going on. They have a history. Minority voters are very anti-Trump at this point, very anti-Trump. And I'm not sure anything he can say can change their mind. He may be able to change the mind of, say, some white suburbanites who really don't trust Hillary Clinton. But I'm not sure he can say very much to change their mind because they just are afraid of him. So so even though we marvel or perhaps are, are appalled by the sh- Trump shenanigans, I do think that there is this argument that, you know, he knows what he's doing, but not always. I mean, there are clear times that he's misstepped, right? Of course. I mean, he throws stuff against the wall and hopes that it, it kind of works. You know, he skipped that debate going into the Iowa caucus, and I don't think that that helped his cause at mm-hmm. all. Uh, I think that he has, you know, got into the tiff with Rubio and who was the one who benefited from that. My guess is Cruz benefited the most from that. It would seem. He's now master operator, but he is a master BSer. Yeah. If I could just recall a quick story. When I went to uh, Arthur Avenue with my father some years back, we went to a place called Mario's and the waiter came out. This is a Bronx historic Italian street that has great food and is an old old school place. Right. Right. And Mario's is especially old school. And and the chef came over and he said, look at this fish, this fine piece of fish I picked out for you. Isn't this fish fantastic? And I thought to myself, what is this waiter talking about? The fish is good. Just let it be good. But then I realized that the waiter was Donald Trump. I mean, that was essentially what it was. I'm going to tell you it's good. It's going to be great. So it will be great. And people believe it. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the Democratic side. The betting markets say that Hillary Clinton's a 90-something percent chance to get the nomination. You concur? I concur. Yeah. That line of analysis, sure. Yeah. And what about the fact that she has not performed as well in states that could be toss-up states or swing states? Some people have read into that. Sure, she wins Mississippi. It's definitely not going Democrat. But what about Michigan? I, I, I tend to remember a, a junior senator from the state of Illinois who lost states like Florida, 
Pennsylvania. Just a beauty contest Ohio. in 2008. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ohio and Pennsylvania certainly weren't beauty nope. contests. So she beat him in all these swing states. She beat him in a number of yeah. states that he went on to win in the general election. I read absolutely nothing into that. No one's going to claim now all of a sudden that Marco Rubio won the Washington, D.C. Republican convention, that he's somehow going to be competitive there on the Republican side. It's a silly, silly, silly thought. No states on the Democratic side are winner-take-all. No, there are no winner-take-alls. This math is really Really, really tough. And, you know, go back to the Tuesday night where Bernie Sanders shocks the world and wins Michigan. Well, the Michigan Democratic Party has revealed that in unofficial results, he won 67 delegates to her 63 delegates. Yeah. That's a four net delegate gain. In Mississippi, she had a near, I believe it was a 32 net delegate gain. She technically won the night in delegates. Yes. And I made this point a lot. And I also want to make the point that when we talk about the delegate math or how hard it is to overcome, it just is a reflection of how many people vote for you. She's going to win more delegates because she's going to get more people to vote for her. That's exactly right. This is like the, the craziest concept in the world. I know it's, it. it's, yeah. If you look at, at the popular vote nationwide in the primary, she's winning nearly three to two. I mean, yeah. this is... Which is what her delegate ratio is, too. Right. It's, it's actually... What, what do they call that? Oh, yeah, fair. It's, it's, <laughs> it's people like, this, these crazy rules on the Democratic side... New. These are a reflection of how Democratic voters feel. Now, I'm sorry if you happen to be a white person living with your bros and your sisters in, you know, a nice loft in Brooklyn. Most Democratic voters do not look like you. Most Democratic voters are people who have been a member of the Democratic Party for a very long time. We're talking about older black women who are a staple of the Democratic Party. And Clinton wins those overwhelmingly. And it's voters like them that are going to put her to the Democratic nomination. All right. Stereotyping with abandon is Harry Enten. Harry Enten is the stats guru. He is our, uh, just whenever it's a Tuesday and Harry's here, it becomes a super Tuesday. Thank you so much, Harry. Oh, you're too kind. Roku players give you the biggest selection of streaming services like HBO Now, which means everything HBO has ever aired as a series, the current series, the database of the library of series it's all there through the roku players and the and the way to access all this stuff is great too voice search unbiased search results you could use your own mobile app as a remote control like i said with hbo now this is the big thing you get every season every episode of every original series and you don't need a tv package you don't need to go through cable you don't need to wire anything up it's available on your roku player it gives you tv the way you want it watch what you love including including, have we mentioned, HBO Now. And here is our offer. As if the offer itself weren't compelling, I'm going to give you a discount. You can try it now for a month free. Visit roku.com slash the gist to learn more about Roku players and to get your one month free HBO Now trial. And now the spiel, say you, say me, say pan. So there has already been a vote on today's Super Tuesday. Well, it is a podcast, so depending on when you listen to this, not only may there have been a vote, but Bernie Sanders could be president. Anyway, if you're listening to it about the time it came out, we know we have known what happened on the northern Marianas Islands. In fact, we know actually about the southernmost of the northern Marianas Islands. Really, almost all the people who live on the northern Marianas Islands live on the island of Saipan. Some critics, this is from Wikipedia, I was doing some research today. Some critics, including the author of the political website, Say Pan Sucks, where do you think he's going to go with his critique? Says that politics in the Northern Mariana Islands is more a function of family relationships and personal loyalties. And today, they were loyal 
to Donald Trump. Donald Trump winning all nine delegates in Saipan in the Marianas Islands. Now, nine delegates may not may not seem like a lot when put up against the 99 delegates that Florida represents, that big sweet prize that is our third most populous state. Do you know how many people voted in the caucuses in the Marianas Islands? The total number of voters was 471, and Trump got 343. 343, that's not rounded. That's not some sort of weird way to express a county delegate total. That's the total number of souls that got Donald Trump, those nine delegates, that much closer to 1237. That means for every delegate he earned, 38 people votes. One delegate equals the vote of 38 people. Now, let's compare this to Tennessee, where Marco Rubio got 180,000 people to vote for him and also earned nine delegates. So in that case, a Tennessee voter, 20,000 people from Tennessee had to vote for you to earn a delegate, 38 people from the Northern Mariana Islands had to vote for you to earn a delegate. In Texas, 502,000 people voted for Marco Rubio. His delegate hall wound up being 167,000 Texans per delegate. Remember, 38 in Saipan in the Northern Mariana Islands, which means a Northern Marianer is roughly 4,394 times as important as a Texan. They say everything's bigger in Texas. No, it is one four thousandth of how big it is in the Northern Mariana Islands. On to the Democrats. Morning Joe. Joe himself was talking up the underdog. Uh, But if you have Bernie picking up some big Midwest winds to add on to Michigan, then suddenly you do have... uh, a guy that can go around saying, I can win. Oh, oh yeah. Look, the, the GOP race is about math. The Democratic race is about chemistry. It's very hard to imagine Bernie Sanders as the nominee, but he is going to drive that debate if he wins uh, a couple states in the Midwest uh, tonight. Because uh, if you take out the South for a moment, which will probably go Republican, or most of it will, in the fall, Bernie Sanders is winning the Democratic contest. And he's certainly uh, uh, driving the dialogue. And so I think Bernie Sanders winning two or possibly three states tonight really would have a, a, a huge impact uh, on the race in the next uh, month or two. Okay, chemistry, driving the debate, driving dialogue. Also, if you take out the South, it is a part of the country. They do get a say. Yes, I suppose that Bernie Sanders can do well tonight. Maybe when you're hearing this, he has done well. And maybe everyone will be talking up how well he's done and how surprising it is and what it means for Hillary. But I hope no one will be saying is what this means is that Hillary's not going to get the nomination. There is a small, small, slender chance that Hillary doesn't get the nomination. And even though the bias is towards pretending there's always a race, even when there's not a race, there's just not much of a race here. As we talked about with Harry, it's not because of anything unfair in the system. It's because states don't vote. People vote. People vote for delegates. Hillary has earned more. Now, underlining that critique there about taking out the South and her leading in other places was a topic that came up on the political gab fest. And I want to play a little talk show karaoke. I usually don't have to play talk show karaoke with the Slake political gab fest because among the three participants, they'll they'll bring the big wood, right? They'll tell you what's right. If one of them has a crazy idea, one of the other smart ones will say, no, your idea is a little crazy. But 
Emily Bazelon wasn't a crazy idea. I've heard people saying it. She put forward an argument, and I really expected John Dickerson to bring the wood and say, I understand what you're saying, Emily, but here's why you're wrong. He veered into a different direction, and so I think I need to play some talk show karaoke and answer Emily Bazelon why she's wrong. Here, let's play the clip. I understand that we are in a race for delegates and that's like the way the primaries work. What I don't understand is why we care at all about the fact that Hillary is sweeping the South because those states are lot, most of them are utterly lost to the Democrats in the general election. So to me, the fact that she lost Michigan, I mean, it was super close. But if she starts losing other purple states in the Midwest and elsewhere, then I think the Democrats have to be really worried. I well, you guys, how do you guys think about this difference between the delegate race and the primary season and looking ahead to the general election and how you weight the victories and losses in the different states? So what Emily is saying there is that Hillary is winning in places that Democrats aren't going to win anyway. And Bernie is winning in places that could be purple states. It's much more important. It says much more about the election. If you, the general election, if you show the ability to win, to perform well in purple states, in states that actually will be up for grabs. And without really checking it, I mean, this seems like a decent enough supposition. The thing is, it's not true. It just hasn't been true. There's very little correlation. And I could talk about correlations and how they've done analyses, but let's just use the very recent example, the most recent example of the 2008 election. Now, in the 2008 election, what were the purple states? Well, in 2004, the Republicans won. In 2008, Barack Obama won. So let's just look at all the states Barack Obama flipped. I mean, they said Pennsylvania, a state like Minnesota was supposed to be a purple state. It really wasn't. Here were the states that were flipped. Nevada, New Mexico, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio, North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida, famously. So of those nine states, Barack Obama wound up winning the primary or caucus in four of them, and Hillary Clinton wound up winning in five. In other words, Barack Obama underperformed Hillary Clinton in the very states that were supposed to be bellwethers, in the very states that you would say he'd have to win in order to win the election. So it shows, now, I will I will acknowledge that Florida wasn't a real contest. It was what they call a beauty contest. But still, there is no correlation between strength in a primary and that strength in a certain state and that strength translating to a general election. If you just look at recent history, you could see that. Overall, I ask you, I invite you to enjoy your Touchstone Tuesday, not as Chuck called it, your Separation Tuesday. Really, we're like conjoined twins, what with all our political dysfunction and mathematical innumeracy. We are conjoined to the candidates. They are conjoined to each other. We're all in this together. I'm sure Separation Touchstone Tuesday will give us a strong signal, and yet I am not sure we will be able to properly interpret that signal. And that's why you have the gist and the bellwether that is the Northern Mariana Islands. And that's it for today's show, where as just producer Andrea Salenzi seamlessly interweaves elements of mystery, wonder, emotion, and expression, whereas Steve Lichtai fulfills some of the highest ideals and aspirations of our country by encouraging people to question what they believe, see, and hear as executive producer of Slate Podcasts, whereas Andy Bowers as chief content officer has 
perfectly positioned the Panoply Network in its timeless appeal, requiring only the capacity to dream. The gist is enacted by the House of Representatives and the Senate of Congress assembled. Hear ye, hear ye. Um, Peru, de Peru, du Peru, and thanks for listening.